afternoon and welcome to today's employer advisory session 2021 strategic planning adapting to support your employees experience my name is heather rabinowitz and i'm the national practice leader of member engagement and communications here at one digital and today i'm joined by my colleagues and friends and i truly feel that we each bring a unique perspective to this conversation. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Nancy, why don't you start us off? Sure. I am Nancy Sapperstone. I am the Regional Director of Marketing for New England and also a senior HR business partner. And I think we've got a great conversation for today. Very timely topic, so looking forward to it. Hi everyone, my name is Shira Walensky. I'm the National Health and Wellbeing Practice Leader with One Digital, and thrilled to be taking a team approach today with Nancy and Heather. Well, thank you both for joining me today. This series of advisory sessions has been in response to a rapidly changing economic and health environment where businesses and HR leaders have been forced to take unprecedented actions to protect employees and their organization. The luxury of deliberating on key decisions vanished overnight, but the impact of those decisions will be key to business survival. So we'll be focusing on big picture insights and trends in our discussion today. And please keep in mind that questions specific to state laws are best directed to your one digital consultant as regulations may vary by state and they're changing rapidly. So let's jump in. You know, this has been one of the most challenging years for workforces. We've all probably heard reports of this being one of the most stressful periods in many professionals' entire careers. When the pandemic first started, we saw leaders jump in to brace the impact on employees and customers. Employees were stepping up to perform Herculean feats, attempting to balance work life and home life amidst incredible pressure and uncertainty. However, as this situation has sustained far longer than most expected, we're now seeing increases in burnout as a result of sustained long-term stress, pervasive mental health issues, and just overall fatigue. So I know we have several stats here, but another one that I felt was really compelling is from a Gallup panel. And it found that over the course of just one month, from May to June of earlier this year, employees and managers are 20% less likely to agree that they feel well-prepared to do their job and that their organization cares about their overall well-being. So talk about a dramatic shift over the course of just 30 days. So it's clear that if leaders aren't able to reinvigorate efforts to support employees and manage continued uncertainty and well-being, performance, engagement, and well-being are at stake escalating an already dire situation. So today we'll spend time uncovering how leaders can proactively address these challenges, meet employees' immediate and long-term needs, and create a more resilient organization. But let's first address why this even matters. Why is there such a focus on employee well-being and experience instead of just focusing on meeting business goals in the bottom line? Well, it's because they actually go quite hand in hand. A disengaged employee costs a business around $17,000, just one employee. And recent Gallup reports find that close to 17% of employees are actively disengaged. Now, this statistic measures those that, as they call it, are actively disengaged, right? 
But think about the number of employees that are even just somewhat disengaged. So I think it's crucial to consider that ignoring the employee experience can really have detrimental financial impacts on your business. So again, that's why we're here today, to help bring awareness and provide guidance on best practices. And you know, Heather, these stats are not new as a result of COVID. This has been an ongoing challenge. And I think that the pandemic has really brought to light, allowed us to peel back the curtain and really see for ourselves from an employer perspective, the individual challenges and struggles that employees are facing and the tremendous impact that it can have on just very simple tasks, being able to focus, being able to take a phone call amongst peace and quiet. Uh, we're, We're just having the opportunity to really see it up front and center. That's so true. So I'd like to pose to you two ladies, you know, apart from the bottom line for an organization, how else are we seeing the impacts of poor engagement? So I'll take that one first, Heather. Um, you know, it's interesting. And I think kind of where you're talking about um, you know, where we've been in the pandemic in terms of kind of, we started with this Herculean effort, we all were involved. Um, I think employee engagement at that point was really high. Um, and we've always, we've been talking about employee engagement. It's been a focus for HR for years now, and we know it's important. We know that there are a lot of, you know, costs when we talk about um, it's, engagement, whether it's it costs you insurance, absenteeism, disability, workers' comp, lost productivity. But beyond that, we also know that there are a lot of hidden costs that come with just replacing people or recruiting or losing that customer intel or turnover. So when the pandemic happened and that employee engagement actually, ironically, went to a record high in May of 2020, employees and coworkers kind of banded together in this time of crisis with a common goal. Um, and then we saw this kind of real huge dip where um, now between all of the social unrest, um, the pandemic, you know, you just said it, it's it, it's fatiguing, it's going on and on. I think all of us never thought that we would still be here, you know, come December working virtually. So um, between social unrest, political unrest, the pressures of the vir- virtual work, homeschooling children, um, and the extended duration, we're really seeing that fall off. And so I think now, you know, really is an important time to have this discussion. Um, There was actually another survey by the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development, and they found that 75% of businesses are saying now that it's difficult to maintain employee morale. And without employee morale, you're not going to have a good employee engagement and good experience. So now really is the time that we want to focus on employee engagement. So kind of making sure that we know, understand what those costs are, both direct, indirect, the hidden costs, and what can we do to really focus on the employee experience? Um, We know we're missing that water cooler talk. How can we get beyond that and make it so that um, our employees feel a little bit more connected. Cher, what are your thoughts there? I think from a health and well-being perspective, from an industry standpoint, we have been 
trying to plead the case for a long time that wellness programs should not exist in a silo, that there's a huge missed opportunity if you're looking at a wellness program as just a solution to your managing your health plan. And what we have seen uh, is that we have employees that have been impacted across the entire spectrum of well-being from physical health to social and emotional, as Nancy referenced, to financial well-being, being totally detached from their community and, and support from, from that aspect as well. And it is manifesting itself in a way from an employer perspective that it's more than just the healthcare cost piece, but when you start to look at productivity and that it's so easy to talk about some of these words that get tossed around all of the time, but when you look at what is underneath that and you start to look at things like burnout and fatigue and lack of ability to focus, let alone finding the hours in the day to be present, um, we start to look and recognize beyond just some of the, the upfront direct costs associated with the impact that all of our employees are, are feeling. And we'll get to this a little bit more for sure, but some of those impacts are, are a result of employees, employers trying to survive. So if they're having to downsize in order to sustain and operate their business, now all of a sudden you have employees that are already stressed personally, also experiencing maybe double duty at work, uh, maybe being thrown into roles and responsibilities that they haven't been adequately trained to do or they're not used to or not comfortable with. So all of these things can take a significant impact both on the individual and then as well uh, the employer. I think Shira that's a really good point and I think when you talk about kind of mental health and the impact that it has on the employee and really the impact that it then has on the employee engagement um, I think pre-pandemic we all were talking about um, kind of the awareness around mental health and taking away that stigma. And now I think we're gonna be seeing um, just a, a much greater prevalence of mental health um, that that stigma is gonna to have to be broken down um, and we're really gonna to have to deal with it and we're gonna to have to deal with it with our employees in order to be able to get them to engage. Um, yeah. You know, from an HR standpoint, there's a statistic that 64% of HR leaders are looking to make the employee experience a higher priority when they come back to, um, you know, the regular work workforce. So from an HR standpoint, that's, you know, music to our ears, because I think a lot of times people used to say, oh, this is not that important. It's kind of that touchy feely side. Um, and probably, yeah, uh, sure. You probably feel that way on the wellness side, but now we're really seeing that this is so important. This is relevant. We need to give our employees the tools, the resources to survive um, so that we can move forward. I heard this podcast the other day and it was so interesting. It talked about how, you know, in many cases, employers are deciding whether or not they're even going to welcome their employees back. They're like, we're all out, we're saving costs. We don't need all these office costs. You know, we, our employees can work from home. But the statistic was that two thirds of people are extroverts and that they are missing out on this community. And that, she is the one, she's raising her hand. I'm an extrovert. Um, and also all of us, we're missing out on that community. And that just plays into that whole mental 
mental health game there. It's, it's, it's not really good for our souls to be this disconnected. I think it's just a really interesting concept of how the employer handles their business goals with their employee experience and the employee needs. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's interesting because it's kind of all of a sudden become okay to not be okay because of all of the tangible burdens that folks are experiencing. Now, when you ask somebody how they're doing, I've noticed that people want to give me the real answer. And a lot of it is commiserating and relating because even though many of us are experiencing from a different perspective, everybody's feeling challenged and struggling right now. And it is, it it is an opportunity to connect in a world where um, we've been, taken away from a lot of the other circumstances that allow us to do so. I think it's um, it's certainly a critical time to focus on the employee experience. And a huge piece of that is health and well-being. Um, and there's there's a dollar side of it, for sure. Certainly, um, the statistics show that there is an ROI of three to one when investing in the health and well-being of employees, but there's also the humanistic side too. And that is um, what we're all facing right now is our peers, our employees, our total strangers are, are struggling. And there is that desire to do everything we can to lift each other up. And um, so I think that we are seeing a, a significant increase from many employers that maybe haven't launched any formal health and well-being strategy in the past, saying we need to do something now. And uh, that, that's a positive thing to see for sure. We know that, um, as Heather referenced before, that, that there's a huge opportunity to do the right thing and also reap the benefits as it relates to being more profitable and being more productive um, from an organization perspective and um, helping employees stay present at work. So let's dive a little bit deeper into kind of where we're going here. Let's discuss a few more ways to support employees now and throughout 2021, even though there will be some uncertainty as to what that looks like. So I think it's interesting because we were just talking about how, you know, we were really high with engagement and now we're back low. So we need to do something kind of quick and now. Um, so when I think about the strategy and what we should be doing, we want to think about um, what are those kind of immediate wins as well as what can we do in the long term? Um, so we know the virtual, you know, in terms of the disconnection, not being able to see people, not being able to focus, um, you know, or people being very kind of exhausted at the end of the day based on focusing, staring at their computer. Um, they're missing that informal discussion. So what are those wins that we can do um, to make it a little bit more, you know, I, I say normal, um, but away from this, you know, I feel like early on in the pandemic, we were talking about the new normal, but um, let's make this really normal. Let's make this more informal. Let's make it more of a discussion. Um, and what we can do, what are the quick wins? And it's going to really be different for each employer, whatever type of employer you are, to kind of think of what those small wins are and those quick wins. Um, I think it's really important um, 
to be human, to be empathetic, um, really get to know our employees personally. Um, through working virtually, we've had a window into their lives in a way that we didn't really have before. Um, and almost, you know, we used to kind of take a step back and not try and dive into their life. Um, but now with the dog barking or the kids screaming or, you know, losing Wi-Fi, there's a whole new window into everybody's life. And so I feel like if we ignore that, it almost does a disservice because it's there. Um, so while we don't want to, you know, dive too deep in, um, get to know your employees a little bit better than you might, you know, talk to them. Oh, is that your dog? Let me see your dog. Um, what's his name? You know, really communicate, ask them how they're doing. Um, you know, and it's funny because I did have a conversation where somebody said, you know, I said to somebody today, how are you doing? And they're like, well, do you want the real answer or <laughs> yes, we want the real answer. We really want to understand how you're doing. What's your temperature check today? Um, what's on your plate? What, how are you going to get it done? Um, so really talk to them about how they're doing. Um, and I think probably one of the biggest pieces that's missing now is that informal feedback. Um, you know, if you think about it, you used to be able to pop your head into somebody's office, lean over their cube and just say, what do you think of this? Um, and I think that's what we're really, really missing. So um, thinking of ways that you can do that, whether it's sending them a quick note through whatever internal chat function you have, um, or asking somebody, you know, can I just have a five minute phone call with you, but trying to make it so that, um, that feedback isn't so formal. It's more natural and, and you're able to kind of keep that communication going, I think is really important right now. And those are just kind of some really quick wins that'll help you connect better with your employees and, and improve, improve that experience. Nancy, I'm gonna um, tag onto that as well in terms of quick wins. It, it, it's funny because it, in a way it goes against what we have tried to preach for so long, which is not to just throw things out there without having it be a part of a bigger, broader plan and strategy. But at the same time, right now, it is important to respond and in many ways where there's opportunity to be proactive and anticipate some of the needs and challenges of employees. I think um, some of the tangible things are are certainly going a long way. And that can be just thinking about some of the benefits and perks that maybe some of your employees were able to experience at the office and thinking about how we can maybe offer some of those sorts of things in a remote environment. So just as an example, many offices would have catered meals, catered lunches, or payday breakfasts on Fridays or healthy snacks available, that type of thing. We know that um, employees are struggling in terms of maintaining healthy eating habits. Employees, all of us struggle during this time of year, no matter what, I think. But um, certainly it is a shift in our schedule. It is a shift in terms of um, just the convenience of being able to go to the grocery store and like, for many employees knowing that they have the security of some of those things available at the office. So thinking of ways to maybe provide meal home delivery services or maybe even healthy snacks um, to the home and in place of the money that you may have been spending to offer these perks in the office. Certainly you can't talk about nutrition and lifestyle habits without talking about exercise and 
them. Certainly any opportunity there is without that social support and the office environment to recreate that virtually, whether that's through activities or challenges and, and being able to capitalize on some of that peer support. We work with a group called Motion Connected and it is primarily focused on peer-to-peer uh, -peer, um, motivation and support. So I, I love where we're going with this. Let's let's continue this conversation. You know, I think across the board and, and even probably a lot of you who have joined us today, our customers are actively working to keep in tune with the experience of their employees during the stressful time, but they're still reporting that burnout is is reduced to near zero among engaged employees, but engagement is an all-time low for others. So how, how can we kind of shift the balance and, and you know, fix that gap? I think, you know, one of the things is kind of acknowledging that burnout is real. I think um, there was a, t you know, and I keep going back to the pre-pandemic, the, the current, but I feel like there was a little bit of a tendency to kind of brush off somebody who was burnt out as saying, oh, you can handle it. Um, but burnout is real. Um, Zoom fatigue is real. Um, when we talk about, you know, being human um, and the mental health issues, I think, again, leading with compassion and empathy, um, giving those mental health days. And if um, you're not able to, maybe it's a mental health hour. Um, to Shira's point with the health and wellness programs, you know, doing breathing with your employees for 10 minutes could be a huge, um, quick win, but um, really understanding, you know, that burnout for people is real and the people that are engaged um, are able to really kind of move beyond that. And they're excited about, you know, maybe they're excited about working in this virtual world and that's great, but let's tap into understanding how it's working for them and see if we can get it to work for the others as well. It's interesting because, you know, I feel like COVID, the COVID lens and working remotely has in a weird twisted way really shifted our focus to, to care more about each other and to learn how to care about each other. And sure, burnout existed in, in the real world in the office, but we just didn't really stop to acknowledge it. So it's just interesting hearing you two talk that we're really learning how to take care of each other and learn more about each other in this kind of weird remote world that we're living in. Um, so Shira, I'll toss it over to you. What are some other ways, you know, we can think to support our employees with some of the weird scenarios that they're in at home right now? Again, many people are balancing having children and trying to teach them or young children. And um, many people are experiencing illness or are losing people to illness. So kind of talk through some strategies and thoughts there. Yeah, Heather, that is right in align with taking care of each other and most importantly, taking care of yourself and encouraging employees to do the same. So on that note, um, I think leading by example is, is critically important. Um, even if that means unplugging for one day, um, just based on the reality of the workload that folks might be experiencing given either the time of year or again, a down, downsize of workforce. But uh, certainly leading by example, I think that looking at the existing resources that you may already have in place and making sure that they're being packaged and communicated in a way that is more relatable to the context of what we're dealing with. So things like an EAP, telemedicine, for example, 
many of our clients have had those resources in place for quite some time. And employees might not be thinking to access some of those resources, which offer a huge benefit and certainly convenience at a time like this. I think some of the new challenges, Heather, that that you mentioned that folks are dealing with as it relates to taking care of children or maybe caring for older relatives, um, we are certainly looking to some of our partners in this space. We work with Care at Work com and um, they offer an opportunity for employers to subsidize the costs associated with either child care or elder care and that has been something that we have seen a huge uptick in this can also come in other formats it could be in a more informal way in terms of a stipend uh, to support schooling children at home or um, or for that care element as well as it relates to the EAP and being very real about what people are experiencing right now, many of us are on top of the day-to-day -day stresses experiencing grief and loss. And that can be in the most severe cases as it relates to losing a loved one. Um, and it can be grief and loss as it relates to experiences and celebrations and milestones and things that all of us have been um, looking forward to or have had planned for a long time. And I think it's, um, it's important to, to honor that and recognize what that, those feelings are. And then even more important is to ask for help. Um, many clients have had EAPs in place for a long time, and we know that certainly the utilization of EAP programs is not um, where it could be. And that means that given the statistics and the number of folks that are suffering and struggling, um, folks that need help are not asking for help. So as Nancy mentioned earlier, continuing to crush the stigma associated with mental health, talking about it, training managers and leadership to talk about it, to recognize the signs when people are not okay, making sure that they're aware of policies and um, additional resources that might be in place. If the existing EAP is not gaining traction. There are other solutions related to mental health that are available and, and that one could consider. So anything from virtual coaching programs, um, some of the mindfulness and meditation apps are certainly very popular. Um, we've got a partnership with Total Brain that offers a um, brain training app. So looking at it beyond just the emotional stress, but ability to focus and to improve cognitive function um, that directly re relates to performing your job are, um, are other ideas and suggestions. And we've had several clients looking to invest in basic training for employees as well as leadership and management as it relates to supporting folks that are struggling from a mental health perspective and really helping to change that culture and the environment in the workplace. Um, so I think that those are a couple examples. And, and again, it's one of those things that it falls into the category of do the right thing and good things are going to happen, but we do see dollars associated anywhere from five to $16, according to the U S department of labor. Um, 
can be realized from investing in an EAP program. I think the missing link there, invest in the program and then be strategic in the way that you are communicating these resources and rolling them out and reminding employees and reminding them again and telling them again in a different way. Right, Heather? <laughs> Eight different times until someone actually absorbs it. I think that's so important is that communication and making it okay for them to use it. Um, really reminding them over and over and over again that this exists. And don't let that be, you know, what I was thinking when you were talking about Ashira, we don't want it to be a daunting task to any of you. And that's certainly something that I, I think we as your partner can, can support with videos and flyers and bite-sized campaigns to roll these important benefits programs out to your employees in ways that really stick too. So don't take that on all yourself as well. And um, we do have some, some additional context about communications in general in a little bit that I'm excited to dive into, but lean on us for, for some of the burden. So Nancy, talk to us, you know, from, from the HR advantage perspective here, the HR looks a lot different now than it did pre-COVID. So I'd love for you to kind of dabble in that topic for us. Yeah. So um, I think there's, you know, we look at what our kind of next gen HR is going to look like. And I think, you know, we talked about once we get to how we handle our recovery, our attention to our employees, it's going to have a really big impact. It's not just going to be a kind of, oh, back to normal, back to what we were doing, you know, back in, you know, February, March of last year. Um, we really, how we respond now is going to affect the company as a whole. Um, and really, I think it's a little bit more heightened uh, now coming out of the pandemic and coming out of this kind of very low employee engagement time. So we need to really, again, I talked a little bit about kind of thinking about those short-term wins, um, but to Shara's point, she mentioned kind of also having that strategy. And I think that's really important too. When we talk about employee engagement, employee experience, we really need to make sure that we have a strategy. What are the long-term demands of our company? How are we going to ensure that we're meeting those demands? Um, because they've changed. Um, our employees have changed. We have all changed. No matter what we think, we have all changed a lot over the last 9, 10, 11 months. So um, we need to understand that and we need to be flexible. We need to be able to be nimble um, and we need to be able to turn, you know, change on a dime. Um, but we also want to make sure that we have our priorities. And I think um, somebody said it, I think we've become a lot more compassionate. Um, so we may want to relook at what our priorities are um, and building more compassion into it. Um, I think social responsibility is now also the norm, which is really exciting. Um, and so we need to make sure that that's baked into our culture. Um, so making sure that we're caring and investing in our people um, and being, you know, emphatic about our, our culture is, I think, really going to be the next generation of HR. And we've really become more holistic, passionate people. I hope so. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I've been hearing everyone talk about, you know, compassion and empathy. And I was reading this article the other day and it talked about how it, communication strategies, educational strategies really came to a screeching halt. And during COVID, employers weren't trying to, you know, drill down deductible and programs that really the, the plan became 
be empathetic, support our employees. So you're so right. They, they had to learn to adapt and to be flexible and kind of the, the strategy we had in place then quickly shifted into the focus on the employee experience. So along those same lines, you know, some of the other big conversations we've had over the past couple months relate to some big, heavy topics. So, you know, how would you say that diversity, equity and inclusion, that discussion affects employee engagement as well? I think it really you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Um, DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion is so important right now. Um, And we really need to actively um, eliminate the systemic racism that exists, you know, within the country, within, you know, our workplaces. And so we need to really be intentional about that. And our employees are looking for that. They want to know what we are doing and not just, you know, we did a, you know, diversity training. Um, we really need to ingrain it into our culture. And I think that's really where this is changing. Um, you know, I think we were all aware of diversity um, issues, but not now we're truly understanding what it means and how we can make a difference and how we can really build this into our culture. And there are a couple of questions that I think are really good for companies to start asking themselves is, you know, how well do your decisions reflect your company values and your desired culture? Um, how are you addressing social issues around in it? inequality and bias in the workplace. And if there's a gap, what are you going to do to address it? And I think we talk about being transparent, Um, really showing your employees, this is what you are going to do about it. Um, Your employees want to know, they want to understand, we want to communicate to them what we are doing um, about our DEI programs, Um, but also employees or applicants as they're looking to join you, they're going to want to know too. So this is important. Um, We really need to engage in the discussions uh, around DEI, really make them part of our culture. So Heather, here's my tip of the day. I would say if if there's one takeaway, it would be smash the silos. And what I mean by that is if you're looking to solve an HR issue, look beyond just HR. If you're looking to solve a health and well-being problem, look beyond just the wellness program because there is so much opportunity to collaborate and to do more uh, looking beyond just that silo. So as an example, as we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, there are some really great wellness programs and initiatives that can lend themselves to helping to support those types of business initiatives. And one example is we've seen a tremendous increase in what I would consider custom rewards and benefit programs. And the messaging is so timely as we look at our employees right now and we see beyond just a number, but we see individuals and we see individuals that are unique and that are experiencing the challenges of our time in so many different ways. And the opportunity is to position wellness programs and benefits that are unique and that offer choice to employees. So we have seen that in the form of um, defined contribution wellness programs where employees offer uh, a stipend 
and employees then have access to a marketplace of wellness programs, benefits, and initiatives. And it could be things like we talked about backup childcare, meal home delivery service. It could be um, financial planning tools and resources. It could be um, Weight Watchers. And employees get to choose the components that are meaningful and important to them. Um, So we have several different partners in in this space. And um, it really is a great opportunity to send a very positive, timely message, as well as, I think, get the most value. Because if you looked at offering some of these programs and benefits to everybody, there's only a portion of employees that would be meaningful and valuable to. And this way um, you get the opportunity. It's equitable because you're giving employees all the same amount and they get to choose um, how they want to spend those benefits. So. I love that idea. I think that is um, uh, the trend that we're certainly seeing a lot of our employers starting to consider for the upcoming year. Um, So as we've talked about all of these programs and ideas and concepts, you know, kind of the way I like to look at it is the the tie that that you know, ties it all, the string that ties it all together is communication aspect and how we're going to roll it out and how we're going to execute on that strategy. And at the onset of COVID, employers and employees alike were really forced to completely change the way that they interacted within their daily lives, as we all know, from workplace to home, all facets of our typical human connection were impacted. And so as a result, employers and all of you had to be flexible and adapt their strategy to keep employees engaged and focused. As I mentioned earlier, your strategy probably came to a screeching halt and it was just like, how do we support our team? That's it right now. So, um, you know, for the first time ever, the new communication strategy will, for many employers, it it wasn't about the content and delivery and frequency. Um, and, And many educational plans were put on hold, as I mentioned. But now, a solid 10 months from the onset of the pandemic, and as we prep for 2021, I think it's really imperative for leaders to pivot that strategy again to assure their team that you are on top of this and you're proactively managing the remote challenges head on to support them, to support your employees in the way they need it the most. So I have a couple kind of fresh thoughts on how you can do that. And, you know, for one, I think it's, it's going to, it's going to include shifting your communication plan from the temporary stopgap solution that you had to something more permanent and intentional. You can't exclusively rely on email and zoom. We are over fatigued on both as I'm sure Shira and Nancy would confirm. So while you may have been hesitant in the past to consider a more modern approach to communication modalities, you've witnessed firsthand your workforce adapting to technology like never before. And I think we've often tried to overcomplicate our strategies when in reality, we really have to ask ourselves one question. How can I meet my employees where they are? And accept it or not, in many cases, employees are with their cell phones. They're using them to play background music while working or, you know, to text their family about dinner plans for later that night or to read up on, you know, the latest vaccine updates. We're all so curious. So sending text messages to communicate important organizational news or benefits education will absolutely get their attention. And it's easy for them too. we all know how to operate our phones. 
We've recently partnered with a new vendor that supports sending out individual or mass texts, and that can include links, images, videos, or files. And it's extremely affordable and, and one of the most economical ways to roll out a new communication solution to your team for the upcoming year to give them something fresh. So your one digital team can support you all with designing, you know, a monthly or a bi-monthly communication campaign. So it's not to bombard your employees with information, but really just to gently remind them with bite-sized content um, about important programs and, and what's in it for them. So, you know, Nancy and Shira have probably talked about multi-channel approaches and in, in the way that they do their work as well. And while texting is just one of those mediums you might consider, um, we would always encourage you to, to consider using a few different communication channels to reach as many employees as possible. And, you know, one of the more traditional approaches to designing a strategy is to take into account the different generations you might have in the workforce and how those different generations might want to be communicated with. But the more I've learned about communications and engagement, I would really argue that this might not be the most effective way to reach your employees. And instead, I've been reading about this new marketing strategy called psychographics, and it's getting a lot of momentum in the healthcare industry. And what's different about the psychographics approach for one, it doesn't base its recommendations on general generational stereotypes, and instead, it tunes into the values and the attitudes and lifestyles um, of a person. And then secondly, this approach isn't designed to just get groups of employees to engage with your content, but instead, psychographics takes it one step further with the goal of behavioral change. So without getting too scientific on you, um, I did want to break it down just a little bit more to get your wheel spinning about how you might want to consider your communication strategy for the upcoming year. So psychographics recognizes five unique categories of people. And you can actually Google this concept and figure out which, which one you are, which I have done. And I'm a balance seeker, for example. About 17% of your organization falls into that same category with me. So Shira and um, Nancy, I'd be so curious to hear what you might be. But balance seekers are generally open to new ideas. They want options. And at the end of the day, we weigh the options and determine what healthcare success means to us. So on the other end of the spectrum is, is a group called the willful, willful endurers. And this is actually the most challenging group to engage. And it takes up the largest percentage of their population. About 31% of employees are classified like this. And they are living for the moment and feel that there are more important things to worry about than their health. And as a result, they're the last ones to go to the doctor when, you know, they only go when they absolutely have to. I'm sure we can all think of someone that fits in this category, one of our family members, most likely. So anyway, there's three other categories, but the idea is that segmenting people by these characteristics allows you to take a look and deliver communications that really resonate more effectively and increase the likelihood of behavioral change. So it's a really interesting concept that I just encourage you all to, to take a look at. So Heather, not, just to jump in, I Please think it, it's so critical. A lot of times, if you have an existing health and well-being program in place and you're not getting the results that you want, sometimes the thought is to throw more, to do more. And of course, doing more often costs more money. Um, but a lot of times the solution lies 
maybe in the HR policies that are in place that make it easier for employees to engage and participate. And as you're talking about, Heather, the way that these programs and resources are being communicated. So again, just coming outside of those silos and looking at cross-solving some of the challenges that, that you guys might be experiencing. Absolutely. And just as you said earlier, you know, take account of your existing resources. This isn't just throwing new things in and and adding all these programs, but take a hard look at what you already have and then think about how you can approach it from a fresh perspective. Even, you know, when I think of something that stops me in my tracks, it's pieces that are unexpected. It's those that incorporate wit and humor and that humanistic element rather than just being insurance and healthcare jargon. Because we all know traditionally insurance has been a humorless industry. It's very serious and understandably so as we are talking about health and well-being of people. But that doesn't mean it has to be boring and dry. And when, you know, plugged in at the appropriate time and when it's done in a clean, of course, and classy way, adding that comedic element to your strategy will most certainly have a positive impact. And I think we could all use a little bit of lightheartedness these days. So don't shy away from working for that laugh in your communication strategies. I love that idea. Um, And I love meeting them where they are, especially when we think about kind of our multi-generational workforce, um, because we all we all kind of consume information differently based on our generation and what kind of communication we grew up with. So I think that's really important in thinking about how you're actually going to, what is your communication strategy throughout the year and how can you hit the different um, employee employee bases that you have. So Heather, while you're talking about communication, we have a question for you. Um, Now that for the most part, our clients, a lot of people have gone through open enrollment. Um, What do you think in terms of looking at, you know, the next year in communications around their benefits and communication programs, what would you say um, suggest? Well, I think that's a great question, and many of you are probably just taking a big sigh of relief because open enrollment is over, right? Uh, You're probably thinking you have another seven to eight months before you even have to think about your communication strategy again. So I have a little bit of tough news for you. Your work is not over. We really feel it's critical for leaders to follow up your open enrollment strategy with programs, tools, and really year-round communications to help your workforce stay engaged. But it doesn't have to be hard. You know, gone are the days when you need to put together a 30-page benefits overview and all of these how-to manuals. And instead, as as we've kind of been talking about, your employees are really relying on you for that bite-sized and relevant content, relevant to where we are today, not nine months ago, not 12 months ago. And using techniques like texts or videos or interactive digital content to make it fun and to add in that humor shows to be really successful. We've also just rolled out a new One Digital mobile benefits app where employees can conveniently locate everything they need related to their benefits, you know, doing things like find cost estimates, locate providers, but it allows the employer to distribute push notifications through the app as well, just to drive them back through the app and, you know, let the app do the hard work for you. So your job is just to remind employees of of the programs and, and the values that they bring. But... The bottom line, I would say, Nancy, is that the most important tidbits for for our friends here to take away today from this conversation are that to most effectively engage your employees with your 
benefits education communications or whatever type of communications, health and well-being, um, any type that they might be, is to keep it short, keep it simple, make it fun, and make it frequent. And when I wrote that out, I realized it's S-S-F-F. So it's easy to remember. Short, simple, fun, and frequent. <laughs> so I guess we're getting to wrap up looking at the time. And I think it's important to restate that when we focus on the human experience, we go beyond just showing up. We build relationships that matter. We seize attention, build love, inspire dreams, create connections, respect and recognize individuals and build confidence. And as we were saying, you know, this weird COVID twisted lens has really put the focus back on these important things. So hopefully this session has reinvigorated your intents to put that focus back on your workforce, which in turn will fuel your business growth. So before we conclude, um, let's pivot. We've received many questions during both the registration process and then also during this, ses this session. So um, we've noticed a few insights and trends. Let's address a few of those questions. Let's see, Nancy, this first one I'll shoot over to you. We are remote right now and we're trying to balance staying connected and being cohesive with increasing Zoom fatigue. Help us out. <laughs> Zoom fatigue, as I said earlier, is so real. It is exhausting to look at your screen for eight, 10 plus hours a day. So I think, again, we talked about how really acknowledging that this is real and we need to do something about it, um, whether that's working in mental health days or mental health hours, um, encouraging breaks during the day. Um, if you have a long meeting, schedule you know, a break time within the meeting. You know, maybe you do a break for a trivia, a virtual trivia class for, or program for five, 10 minutes, just break it up and have fun. Um, I think also, you know, and Sherry, you may talk to this too, but kind of the virtual activities and the ex like virtual exercise competitions. We recently had the one digital digital dash. And in new England, we put together a little um, text group with a bunch of us out of our office in Massachusetts. And it was really fun. And we were texting pictures of each other exercising and what we were doing and, you know, just whatever we can do to kind of something other than Zoom, um, whether that's a phone call, um, texting with somebody, um, you know, even if you feel comfortable and the weather's nice, going for a walk with a coworker and having a meeting walking outside um, or outside, you know, having a cup of coffee with a coworker, um, you know, making sure that you're safe in doing so and that they are comfortable, but, um, you know, thinking about it and how, you know, how can you do it differently so that you get people away from their computer for a short period of time? And I would also say encouraging some time off. Sure. I think it's so hard to take time off when you're at home all day long and you're like, what do I need that time off for? But you, you need to actually disconnect. Yeah. So I really liked your thoughts there. Um, this next question is, uh, Shira, I'm going to ping this one over to you. So it's interesting. It says, what are some options other than surveys that are quick and impactful to get your employees involved in conversations? And it's funny, we've been talking about Zoom fatigue. And the other day, someone mentioned, I'm having survey fatigue. I think that's a real thing now, too. Uh, you know, we send out survey after survey after survey. So this is a great question. What are other ways that we can still get that valuable employee feedback? That is a good question. I, I would say if 
if a survey is a must, keep it short and, and sweet. Um, look at it in the context of maybe a pulse survey type of thing. Um, surveys are great because they allow you to put together an output that is neat and pretty and looks nice and is very in the box. But a lot of times the most meaningful feedback is more informal. I think Nancy, you kind of touched on it earlier, just being able to poke your head into somebody's office. So how can we mimic that type of thing? Um, you know, certainly I think taking a few minutes for a more informal discussion at the beginning or the end of a meeting can be helpful. Um, tasking managers or leadership, if they already have scheduled calls, um, to offer up some opportunity for just informal discussions and maybe even equipping them with some thought-provoking questions to, to get folks thinking. Um, I think some of that informal feedback you get it doesn't fit as nicely and neatly in a box, but I do think a lot of times you get more of the real answers and responses that you're looking for. And I think part of the job of the managers is to position some of these questions and invest in the relationship with employees in a way where it feels safe and it feels okay for them to share their open and honest feedback. And as always, with any type of inquiry, if you're going to take the time to ask, certainly sharing um, some feedback in terms of next steps or the intention as to what's going to be done with some of the information can also go a long way. And even if it's not something that can be fixed immediately, maybe sharing a bit of a timeline as well um, and, and capitalize on the opportunity to, if, if you're thinking that you really want feedback on, on one particular thing, let's say um, the times that you're scheduling meetings, is there any other topics that are related that you might want some feedback on too um, can, can also be an effective way as well. I think <laughs> As it relates to um, health and well-being programs in particular, there are a lot of options in terms of capitalizing on the vendors and the way that they are pushing notifications and information to employees to be able to capture some, some of the feedback as well. Um, and maybe it's not in the form of questions, but it's in the form of aggregate data based on the population. So they might be able to share insights. Um, for example, employees aren't logging as many steps if they had a, a platform in place or um, employees are not logging in to take advantage of the mindfulness and meditation apps or if they're streaming fitness classes, um, push back on those vendors for, for the aggregate data as well so that you can look at making some insights. I think those are really great ideas. All right, this next question. So Nancy, you were just talking about how we really want to encourage our teams to take time off. So what do we do with employees that aren't taking vacation time? What, what can we kind of gently but forcefully do? So I think a lot of companies are starting to hear this now. We're coming up to the end of the year and you have a policy in place where you roll over, you know, maybe roll over a week every year, or maybe you don't have a rollover. Maybe, um, you know, it's a use it or lose it policy. So I think you really want to look at your policy and think about making changes to it based on what's been happening over the last um, 10 months. And 
you know, chances are employees haven't been taking that much time. Again, they feel like, you know, I don't need the time because I'm sitting by my, you know, I'm sitting home anyway. So where am I going? Um, and so allowing them to think about carrying over time or if you're going to cash it out um, or some combination, but being a little bit more flexible about your time off program this year. Um, it doesn't need to change forever. Um, you can change it back next year, but you know, think about your employee base, what's going to work for them, what's going to engage them, um, what are they going to feel good about, um, if they feel like they, you know, left the year with 10 vacation days on the table, well, that kind of just leaves a bad taste in their mouth, so um, I would think about, you know, what you can do to help them out, and, you know, encourage them to take some time, um, and giving them the opportunity to take that time. All this talk is really inspiring me to think about my next vacation. I have nowhere to go, but I would love to use up my time. So thanks for the extra nudge there. Um, well, thank you, Shira and Nancy, for your thoughts and guidance. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. You know, as we've noted throughout the session, these are challenging times. In 2021, companies need to inspire the best in their workforce by strategically planning and putting a best practice approach of addressing employee engagement into place. And in turn, workers will be more likely to have their critical psychological needs met and they'll stay engaged and be insulated from the negative effects of the extraordinary amounts of stress they're experiencing. So please know that One Digital Strategic Benefits and Workforce Consultants are here, and they have expert guidance and support to help you navigate through the next few months as you plan for the next year. So don't hesitate to reach out and learn more. Once again, I'd like to remind you that you can view this session and all past employer advisory sessions on our website. Stay safe healthy, and stay connected with your family and friends and your coworkers. We'll see you next time. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.